Hi, and welcome to another great life impacting message from Bridge Evangelical Christian Church. For more great content and to learn more about our church, visit becc.church. Enjoy. It's strange standing here, but it's a still a privilege and still a responsibility that I accept. Over recent years now, um, as I've been reading through the Bible, I've marked all the I wills of God that I've found. They make interesting reading. In fact, in Strong's Concordance, there's 12 pages of them. Um, to read these verses are very challenging, of course, and comforting and enlightening, being assured that what God said he would do, he will do. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your Son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, so thankful that we can be sure about you, that what you say you will do, you will do. Since you can never change and never be made to change, we can be sure to find you faithful to your word. And because of that, we have an anchor that keeps our soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. So my prayer to you, my God, this morning is that you will reveal to us what we can be sure about today, what we can place our confident assurance in for the future. We pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. As I'm getting older, the years seem to fly by so fast. 2019 is half gone, and 2020 is just around the corner. And so we, you and I, need to ask and answer the question, what does the future hold for us? What does the future hold for me? What does the future hold for you? I believe we live in troublesome times, and yet exciting times. Who could come any moment? Yeah, we could be all gone before I finish this message this morning. Wouldn't that be great? But we need to ask the, the question just the same. What does the future hold for us? Um, I mean, climate change is a big buzz today, isn't it? Who's in control of the climate? <laughs> you better believe it. There's unrest in many countries today. Thousands, maybe millions of people are on the move trying to find some peace and safety. There are terrorist attacks and shootings and violence and tragedies abound. Floods, droughts, earthquakes, volcanoes erupting, death on our roads. I, I hate watching the news these days. It's all bad news, isn't it? Fear grips much of our world today and so what we need to know, what all of us need to know, is what can we be sure about and place our confidence in for the future. Uh, you know all about my trusty dictionary. Some of you do. Some of you don't. Who doesn't? Who doesn't know about my dictionary? You don't know about my dictionary? It was the dumbest 21st birthday present I ever got. <laughs> but 62 years later, I'm still using it. So as I want to do, I turn to my trusty dictionary to find the word sure. To discover that it means certain, positive, admitting to no doubt, 
firmly established, strong and secure, reliable, certain to happen or to be done. Man, what a word. What's the biblical word equal to sure? Assurance. Assurance. Biblical assurance is to put beyond all doubt. And if there's a time we need assurance, it's now. In this rapidly changing world of ours, we need an anchor, something which we can hold on to. And the one sure anchor you and I have, I hope we all have, is God himself. Everything else may change around us, but God is always going to be the same. What's one of his attributes? He's immutable, which means he cannot even be made to change. He will never change. Um, June used to love to tell people, everyone about that, didn't she? That God never changes. He's always the same in his nature, his character and his will, and he can never be made to change. Quoting Malachi 3.6, which says, I, the Lord, do not change. And what did Jesus say in Hebrews? Not Jesus, but what is said of him in Hebrews 13 verse 8? That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the hymn writer William Kirkpatrick got it right when he wrote these words. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Amen. We're going to sing that hymn at the conclusion of this message. By the way, we're all going to get out early today. We've just been bombarded with promises from politicians and would-be politicians prior to the recent election, haven't we? Promises, promises of what they will do if they are elected or were elected. But I can tell you there's someone more reliable we need to listen to who can do and who will do what he says he will do. And that is... Almighty God himself. Amen? The first I will is found in Genesis 2 verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will, what will he do? Make a helper suitable for him. And he did. And I can vouch for that. When God gave me June, she gave me more than a helper. So the first I will was pretty important, wasn't it? The last I will is found in Revelation 21, 6 and 7, where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So I encourage you to check out all the I wills um, of uh, the Bible, and you will be blessed. You'll be challenged and inspired, I'm sure. But this morning I want you to turn with me to Joshua 1, 1 to 9, and notice what God said to Joshua that he would do for him and through him. 
Joshua 1, 1 to 9. Won't so much be expository message. What we'll be doing this morning is having a character study on the man Joshua. But this is what Joshua 1, 1 to 9 says. Now, it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to all to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. For the children of Israel, this was going to be a new beginning, wasn't it? After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, this new generation under the leadership of Joshua was going to claim and enjoy all the blessings in the land God had prepared for them, blessings which their parents forfeited because of their disobedience. After the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the new generation of God's children would claim the, their inheritance and enjoy the blessings of the land which God had prepared for them. They'd live in cities they didn't build, houses they didn't build, hmm? drink from cisterns they didn't dig, um, enjoy the fruit of the land that they didn't plant or cultivate. I wonder if that's not just a timely word for us today. It certainly was for me as I was preparing it. If we're strong and courageous, if we believe and walk in obedience to our God and worship him only, we could claim our inheritance and enjoy all the blessings our Father God wants us to enjoy here and now, not waiting till heaven. Hmm? That's a challenge, isn't it? Jesus Christ is our Joshua who wants to lead us into our promised land to share all the wonderful treasures of our inheritance. Um, Paul tells us in Ephesians 1.3 that God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. Hmm? Truth is God has done his part. Have we done ours? If we're going to possess and enjoy all that he wants us to have, then we need to walk 
But you need to be strong and courageous, like he says to Joshua, and and to obey all the words that that Moses had told him, taught him about the law. So we need to take note of what God said to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to do everything God has said. That's my transliteration of, of verse 7. And everything I say from now on will hinge on that. Be strong and courageous and obey what God says. We've got a lot to learn from Joshua. Um, so that's what I've already hinted, that we're going to do a character study on him. That's a interesting thing to make a sermon all about, a, a character study. Hmm? But we've got a lot to learn about uh, Joshua uh, and discover who he was, what he did, and why God chose him to succeed Moses. So let's begin our character study on Joshua. How, did he, how was he born? What was he born? He was born a slave in Egypt. All right. Now, that was a pretty scary thing on that um, Passover night, wasn't it, to be a firstborn son? What was going to happen? The avenging angel was going to take all the firstborn of human animals and everything else. But what? how was he saved? His parents were obedient to what God, Moses had said to them, God told them to do, to take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorposts and lintels of their house. And the avenging angel, when he saw the blood would what? Pass over that house. So that house was protected, wasn't it? And Joshua was protected uniquely at that stage as a slave. Herbert Lockyer in his book All the Men of the Bible writes this of Joshua. As a slave, Joshua knew the weary years of bondage his nation suffered in Egypt under Pharaoh. He knew something of the lash of the whip, the almost impossible task in the brickfields, and the deep sigh of liberty. But little did he realise that although a slave, he would rise to become Israel's supreme leader and commander. Hmm? As a slave, he experienced what it was like to be a slave, under a cruel master. Numbers 13 verse 8 tell us that he was from the tribe of Ephraim, that his name was Hoshea, the son of Nun. Verse 16 of Numbers 13 tells us that Moses changed Hoshea's name to Joshua. Now, names meant something in those days. Names don't mean anything today, do they? You can be called anything from January to February to December and <laughs> they don't have any meaning. But in those days, names had meaning. They were important. Hoshea means salvation. That was his original name, Hoshea, salvation. But his new name, Joshua, means Jehovah is salvation. And the Hebrew form of Joshua is what? Do you know? Do you know what the Hebrew name for Joshua is? Yeshua. Yeshua, which is Jesus. Okay? Yeshua HaMashiach is Jesus the Messiah. So I came to see that Joshua prefigured Jesus. He was the Old Testament saviour for the Old Testament people, God's people who were led out of bondage. I wonder if um, you can see a parallel here. We were led out of bondage, weren't we? We were all slaves once upon a time, weren't we? 
Slaves to what? Slaves to sin. We were. I was. We knew the cruel mastery of Satan. And uh, like me, we rejoiced at the offer and acceptance of God's grace and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? But little did I realise what I would become after the 5th of December 1965 when I was born again. You, you know the saying, do you? If you've been born twice, you'll only die once. Amen? You'll only die physically. Well, some of us won't. <laughs> All right. But little did I realise what I'd become after 45 years of ministry and now retired. Hmm? Uh, no, I didn't lead a, a nation into promised land, but I led a lot of you into the promised land of salvation, didn't I? What a privilege. What a responsibility. Uh, we all need to, to be led into fresh pastures of God's blessings, don't we? So he was born a slave. That's the point I want to make firstly. Joshua experienced all the miracles of God in Egypt. He soon realised how all-powerful the great I Am was. He saw all the gods of Egypt humiliated. He saw how the Lord God opened the Red Sea to let his people through, and but to close over and drown all the pursuing Egyptian army. So what do you think this all produced in him? Faith. He became a man of faith, trusting God and realising that nothing was impossible with him. He saw with his own eyes the wonders and the miracles that God did as he accompanied Moses. That prompted me to think about the special people, the special men of God that I've had in my life. Can you think of those special people you've had in your life who have mentored you, who, who have modelled what a Christian is? I think of Frank Hunting and... I think of John Napier and M.A. Butler, to name just a few. Godly men who taught me a lot. Not so much by what they said, but by who they were. And again, I just think of June. How much impact did June have on your life? Yeah. So first of all, he was, Joshua was a slave. But then he was a soldier. And Warren Wiersbe quotes, I quote from him, from his um, commentary on Joshua. The first official recorded act of Joshua in scripture is his defeat of the Amalekites when they attacked Israel two months after Israel's exodus from Egypt in Exodus 17, 8 to 16. Moses was a prophet and legislator, but Joshua was a general with exceptional military skills. He was also a man of great courage who wasn't afraid to confront the enemy and trust the Lord for victory. End of quote. Herbert Lockyer adds, As a military leader, Joshua knew how to plan campaigns, discipline his forces, use spies, but above all, pray and trust in God. He never stooped to pilfering and plunder. Joshua was first of all a good soldier of the Lord, whom he encountered and obeyed as captain of the Lord's host in Joshua 5, 13 to 15. 
Now, you don't have to read much of the New Testament to know that as Christians we are in a battle. We're in a spiritual warfare, aren't we? And how we need to be good soldiers. In 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, it says, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And we all know Ephesians 6 well, I think, I hope we all do, that we're not contending against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers in high places. Therefore, we need to be strong in the Lord and put on the full armour of God so that you can stand firm against all the devices of the enemy. 2 Corinthians 10.4 reminds us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Um, I say this to a lot of people these days that we don't fight for victory as Christians, we fight from victory. Amen? The battle's already won. Problem is we don't know it. But I hope you're seeing what we're how we need to learn from Joshua. He was first of all a slave, then he was a soldier. Because his example helps us. Uh, he learned to, to trust, Joshua learned to trust God at an early age, and we need to really learn, I guess, each day how to trust him. Because we encounter obstacles, um, difficulties, problems, all the time, don't we? And I've learned to use the obstacles as not stumbling blocks, but stepping stones. All right? We may never become a leader of God's people, but we all need to learn to trust God, don't we? We all need to trust him. Because he's delivered us from slavery to sin, he is in the process of delivering us from the power of sin. And one day he's going to deliver us from the very presence of sin. Amen? Isn't that, I love those three aspects of our salvation. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. What he begins, he's going to complete. God said, I will. Huh? So along with Joshua, we need to be good soldiers of the Lord. We need to obey our commanding officer. We need to find ways of pleasing him and become proficient in knowing how to handle the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. So I hope you can see how this is all helping us to be confident in the future. Hmm? Psalm 27 verse 1 is one of my favourite verses. Who knows it? I was singing this chorus all night in my mind. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength or the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know the chorus? Will you sing it with me? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? All night I sang that song. I remember in, in court one day, in, in the ch children's court, speaking to a man, and I gave him 20, Psalm 27 verse 1 to read, and his face lit up. He was facing, well, you know what you face in that sort, sort of court, in that situation. 
But it's a wonderful verse, isn't it? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So a picture of Joshua's growing. He was a slave, then a soldier. Guess what he was next? A servant first before a spy. You, you, got, me four, you got me four S's. He was a slave, then a soldier. Then he had to become a servant again. And then finally he became a spy. Herbert Lockyer insightfully comments, Joshua's victory over Amalek gave him the open door of further usefulness and responsibility. He, that he was prepared for the responsibilities of leadership is evidenced by the fact that because of his unswerving loyalty and devotion, he is called the servant of Moses in Joshua 1 verse 1. Now who's our best example of servanthood? Jesus himself, okay? In Matthew, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 25 to 28. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you, for whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we remember how he washed his disciples' feet in John 13, don't we? Let me remind you of what Jesus said, John 13, 12 to 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I just found it amazing as I was preparing this message how Joshua started out as a slave and in the process of him becoming what God wanted him to be, a leader, he had to once again learn to be a servant, to have a servant attitude, to be obedient to his master Moses at the time and then to God. Again, I came to be sure of this, that if you want to become what God wants you to be, and if I want to be what God wants me to be, we must have a servant attitude. It's only then that we, each one, will be able to face the future with confidence. So, we've already preempted the next one. The, the character study finishes with was started as a, as a slave, a soldier, a servant, and then as a spy. Joshua was one of the 12 that Moses sent to spy out the land of Canaan. And uh, you know the story, how only Joshua and Caleb came back with a positive message. We can do it. We can do it. But what did the other 10 spies say? There's giants out there and we look like grasshoppers to them. The negative message caused a 40-year wandering in the wilderness. 
Warren Wiersbe comments, this crisis revealed some fine leadership qualities in Joshua. He was not blind to the realities of the situation. He didn't allow the problems and difficulties to rob him of his faith in God. The ten spies looked at God through the difficulties. Hear this, please. The ten spies looked at God through the difficulties while Joshua and Caleb looked at the difficulties through what they knew about God. Isn't that a mouthful? Their God was big enough for the battles that lay ahead. That Joshua was not afraid to stand up against the majority and that courage would stand him in good stead later on as leader. Until then, he patiently stayed with Moses and kept serving him, knowing that one day he and Caleb would gain their promised inheritance. They're just about finished. That doesn't mean anything, by the way. So how do you look at the future? How do you look at the future? Do you see giants? Or do you see God? I think the way that we all need to be as we look to the future is to see the giants in relation to who God is. Who's the biggest? What can God do to giants? I came across this little poem which said, God holds the future in his hands with grace sufficient day by day. Through good or ill, he gently leads if we but let him have his way. With the rider, the what of our future is determined by the who of eternity. Did you get that? The what of our future is determined by the who of eternity. So let's hear again Joshua chapter 1, 5 and 6, where God says to Joshua, Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. With you. Yes, he's talking to Joshua, but I believe it means you as well and me, all right? I will not forsake you or fail you. Be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Did you hear that? So that's what we can be sure about. The future. It's unknown to us, but we know who the God of the future is, don't we? So let's sing that hymn that we, uh, we mentioned earlier. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Amen? And I love these verses in Jude 24 and 25. We say, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>